Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hi guys, today on Razor Riffs, uh, we got the great Adam Hunter on. Adam's a very funny comic. He's the man I call the man with a thousand punchline tags. He's going to be joining me. Alan Lee will not be here today. He uh, is doing the work. And um, I'll be interviewing Adam by myself. I was going to ask Rosie Tran. I think I actually did, but I think she said she couldn't do it. Uh, Anyways, Adam Hunter is uh, last comic standing. He's been on Comics Unleashed. Uh, Late Night with Craig Ferguson. And he has a stand-up special that is now streaming on the UFC Fight Pass. It's called Throwing Punches. So we'll talk to Adam and see what that's like. Uh, This would be a good time to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Give us some feedback. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at Riffs. Also, follow me on Keith Reza, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. I'm doing a Facebook cleansing right now. So, uh, if you haven't engaged with me in a while, uh, there's a good chance you've been cleansed out. Nothing personal, but, uh, yeah, I've been doing it. So, if you have been cleansed out, uh, add me again and, uh, you know, let's keep this going. I need to buy a live safe for my virus computer. Anyways, you can also book me on Cameo, www.cameo.com. Keith Reza. Uh, Valentine's Day is coming in. So you can book me. Adam's coming in, and we're about to talk to Adam right now. Adam Hunter. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, Adam? Hello. Hey, how are you, buddy? Good, how are you? Finally got a chance to do this, huh? Yeah, it's just, uh, it's hard because my daughter's nanny got COVID, so I had to, like, be home all day with the baby while trying to, like, have a career and, you know, it's been tough. How, How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, did did you get the COVID or no? No, no, I haven't got COVID. You? No, no, I haven't. I've been uh, uh, staying safe and wearing a mask. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing that, but I've also been doing stand-up comedy shows and, you know, taking my kid to the park and, you know, I mean, yeah. I haven't, it's like, I've been wearing a mask as much as I can, but sometimes it's just like, you know. Yeah. How how are the comedy shows right now? Like, because uh, I haven't done comedy in like nine months, so. Um, you know they've actually been good because the people that uh have been wanting to come out really want to come out, you know. Yeah. So hard to like walk anybody during COVID. Yeah. Or people that get offended, they're just you know they're just kind of taking a chance. Um, 
at the same time, like, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, but some other comics that have like, I've seen some comics try to do COVID material, but not that comfortable with it, you know? Right. And not over that well, you know, because just they like, it just, this was the experience isn't there, you know? And then also you don't have like a hundred sets to work on it, you know? Uh, like you have like three a minute, yeah. you know, that month or something. I've been doing about 10 live shows a month, you know? But You're also doing a lot of Zoom shows too. Yeah, yeah, and a lot, a lot of Zoom shows, which are good. I mean, the good thing about Zoom shows, it's usually like the same crowd keeps coming back, so it forces you to write material every 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 single week, you know. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you about your special throwing punches, which is on the UFC Fight Pass. That's a, a kind of unusual place to have a special, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've been doing, I've been working, I used to work for the UFC, I doing videos for them. I've been writing the MMA awards for 13 years and MMA is a huge passion of mine. I, I love, I coach wrestling. I love MMA and I have a MMA podcast and I have all these MMA jokes. So, you know, I've, I'm friends with Dana White and I pitched uh, the idea to have a comedy special and he was like, let's do it. So I was definitely, it was the first comedy special ever on UFC Fight Pass. And it was good because I did about you know, 25 minutes of like regular stuff. And then another 25 minutes of like, or 20 minutes of, uh, of jokes about fighters and MMA that like, I really can't do in, in clubs because unless it's everyone is an MMA expert, they're not going to know what I'm talking about. So that was really good. The hard part was actually preparing for it though. You know, like getting, having time to like, cause I had to do that, the shows on zoom. I had to practice in like parking lots shows or, you know, Shows, shows where everyone's wearing masks. And that was another thing about the special that I kind of wish, you know, everyone in the crowd was wearing masks. So while I could hear the laughter, it wasn't like a regular comedy club where, you know, the laughs go through you. Yeah. I just had, you know, but I definitely could hear laughter, but it just wasn't as like, and also it was a room that held 200 people and they had 40 there, but it was still like an amazing experience. And I loved every minute of it. And now I'm working on the next one. You know, sometimes like, uh, like when rooms with that only hold 200, like those clubs are more intimate. And I find those to be more fun than like 500 or 600 shows. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, it really depends. Like I'd rather have 20 people that want to be there than a hundred people that are there for a Christmas party or something. And yeah. they just have to be there, you know? So it really depends. It's just a lot of times I like one of my favorite clubs is in Vegas at the LA comedy club because they have super low ceilings. It only holds a hundred people, you know, but you know, you don't want to have sometimes like a huge arena with like 20 people there. That's when it gets kind of hard because you know, the room that was built for like, you know, Metallica and there's 20 people, but it, but it is what it is, man. I mean, I've been doing comedy for almost 23, 24, 25 years now. And like, you know, I've had every experience from, two people in the crowd to, to 5,000 to getting, you know, boot off stages to getting standing ovations. So it's just, you know, you do, it's one of those things about comedy is that you, you can't buy into it. It's yeah. not one of those jobs that you could be like, Oh, you know, I have, I have X amount of money and now I'm this. And there's really no experience like experience. Like I can tell people all they want about, comedy and uh, you know comic theory and what it's like and this and that but unless you've actually been there and experienced it you kind of don't know what to do 
And even if you have experience, you still don't know what to do. I mean, how many times have I done comedy? I'm like, oh, that, that, that would have been perfect had I not said this or had I not went this far. Uh, had that. It's all learning, but that's the thing is let's just not being thrown by uncomfortable situations. Uh, un- unfortunately, the only way to do that is to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And, you know, people tell me all the time, like, I have like fighters that tell me, hey, I want to become a comic, but I don't want to bomb or, or how much money can I make? Or, uh, you know, when do I start getting paid? Or I want to be good. And I'm like, well, that's like saying, like, I want to be a black belt in jujitsu, but yeah. I don't want to, but I never want to be tapped or I never want to lose a match or I never want to lose a role. It's like, it, it's impossible. It's, it's literally impossible. There's nobody in the history of, jiu-jitsu or wrestling or anything that's never or boxing that's never lost a round or uh, gotten knocked down it's just, you just can't do it now you also run a, a a couple comedy rooms or at least you used to but like the question i had for you is like that same advice when new comics would say hey adam can i do your room and they weren't well enough to get paid or whatever like when did you say hey listen you gotta do these steps in order you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying um, I'm usually like bad at saying no to people because, uh, I know how hard it was to get on stage and I still have like animosity towards people that didn't give me spots in the beginning yeah. when you need them. Like I remember being in New York and be like, Hey, can I do this, this room? And the guy's like, Oh, well, I only put out comics that are past the clubs. And my thought was like, if you're past the clubs, why would you want to do this room? You know? Exactly. So, like, why not give – so I always try to give – I mean, I've, I've had people do my Zoom shows for the first time ever doing comedy on my Zoom shows. The, 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 the tricky part is usually when someone starts and they're terrible, they – rather than say, okay, I'm, I'm going to sit back and watch and learn and do some open mics before I come back to that room, a lot of people go, oh, I ha- give me a chance to redeem myself. So now, so now I'm in it for two spots, you know, right. <laughs> or, um, that's, or, Hey, you know, like they don't realize how bad they, they, they bombed or how no one was laughing. It's like anything else, but I'm, I'm, I, I'm working this year on getting better at saying no to people that yeah. at, at not caring as much as people like me. That's always been like my Achilles heel. I think even in stand up comedy, I think one of my problems as a comic, if I had to like pick apart things that I could have done better was, I always wanted to kill. I always wanted to do well. So I didn't take as many chances as I probably could have. Um, I didn't like do as many sets where I bombed. I always wanted to be the funniest guy on every show. And looking back, that probably hurt me because I didn't take as many risks. I didn't do as much new stuff as I probably could have. You know, so that's something that as the, <laughs> the good part about doing Zoom shows is it doesn't really matter if you bomb. Right. Because sort of like everybody bombs. Yeah. I mean, nobody's getting a development deal off a Zoom show. Um, Zoom nobody, comic standing. Yeah, and like no, and, and also yeah, right. And then nobody's saying it's almost like you bomb if you do your regular bits. That's yeah. sort of like, amongst comics. You're like, really? You know, like that, like you're really doing the joke that you've done for 20 years on this show. Like, so that in, in some in some regards, like the pandemic's helped me because it's, it's, it's forced me to just write a bunch of new shit. And also, cause if you're not dealing with what's going on right now in the world and telling it on stage, you're like, well, how, how, how is this not comedy? Like, how is this, how could I not, even if I just talk, even if there are no jokes at all in my set, like the, I have to deal with what's in front of me. Yeah. You know, 
And like another thing is like you're you're uh, I want to say you're the master of tags. Like every joke you have, you have a lot of good tags. So that's good <laughs> writing. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I I remember just being like just being a you know early on in comedy, going to the comedy cellar and seeing the, the David Tells and and the and the Jim Nortons and the Pete Coriales and the Ruspinies and you know these Godfrey and these monsters. And I remember like having much at that time I had a lot longer setups. So I would go, you know, one, two, three, four sentences, punchline. One, two, three, four, punch, you know. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, like, why am I not getting as many laughs as these people? And then I realized, oh, because with these people, you don't even know when the joke starts and when it ends. Like they have so many tags. And I also realized that the hardest thing in the world is to get that first laugh. It's yeah. like, you know, to me, getting that first laugh is like taking a huge boulder and lifting it up a mountain. I'm sorry that I'm like, my, 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 my daughter has like friends, my daughter has like friends coming over now. And my wife will literally kill me if the place is messy. So I'm like, I'm actually like sweeping the floor. Yeah, because, I see that. Yeah. Anyway, I think so, that's cool that you're still doing this while doing chores. I thank you for that. Oh, uh, no problem. So the thing <laughs> is, 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 oh, I know it's supposed to get really upset if like, which is crazy because they're just, her friends going to come over and they're going to destroy the place, you know, <laughs> but we have to, so literally if I did nothing, it would look exactly like it, it is now, but for some reason, I have to clean up for them to destroy it. It's, and then it's, you have to do it again when they leave. Right, 1,000%. 1,000%. But anyway, so getting that boulder up the mountain is the hardest part. Once it, once you get it rolling, I find it's a lot easier. So tags are great because the ball's already rolling, you know. And also, to me, like, comedy's <laughs> – well, I don't, I don't want to be that, that old guy that's, like, bitter about – and like, who doesn't, like, want to evolve the, that guy, you know, but – to me, it used to be whoever had the most laughs on the show was probably the funniest comic. Right. You know, you could you could make the argument of like, well, how how is he getting those laughs? I mean, there are people up there with like dick puppets that are killing, you know, and if you have a dick puppet versus your Dave Chappelle and the dick puppet guy's getting more laughs, but let's let's just say everyone's on the same playing field, right? Uh, as far as quality of material, you know. Um, and then one guy gets a hundred laughs in five minutes, the other guy gets four. I would say the 100 guy is the better comic. Now, then you can go, well, how hard are they laughing? Well, okay, fine. Let's maybe, you know, if they're laughing just as hard than the guy with the 100. So I always felt that, you know, um, when I first started doing comedy, I didn't look like most comics. I think, I would say I was better looking, but I was in better shape. Let's say I'm better in shape. I was like, sort of like comics where it looked like they have been like, like they should be caught, like they're just like cigarettes and they look like they hadn't worked out in years and they're sort of angry and you're like, oh, this guy's going to be funny because he's yeah. like out of shape and miserable, right? And I, that wasn't something me. So I was always like, well, I better be fucking, I better have good material because you can hate me because of my face, you hate me because of my person, hate my look, but you still have to like the jokes, you know? So I always thought that like having as many jokes per pot per minute was extremely important. And I still think that, you know, um, uh, I hate like, I hate like, you know, getting the crowd ready to laugh and only having like one punchline because I can almost see, sense our disappointment of right. like that's it, you know. It's just sort of getting like getting one present for Christmas, you know. Yeah. So I try I try to have as many tags as possible, but then you could also sometimes too too many tags where now the joke isn't believable anymore, and you've and you've taken away the reality of the bit. So you kind of have to be careful. And then also not fall into the fact of like, 
of like easy tags, you know, because there's always like kind of easy tags of like, you know, you just switch the gender of the person and, the, and like the joke or something, you know, so equality tags. And also like uh, uh, a lot of celebrities go to your show. I remember when I did the Irvine Improv with you last year, I want to say it was Tito Ortiz, Tito Ortiz, but. It was also another guy. They went to the show and they were in the back. Do you remember who that was? They were in the back. It was, uh, was it, it was Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of fighters come to my shows. You know, I'm I'm friends with a lot of fighters. I, I I support a lot of fighters. I also get a lot of fighters on my on my podcast and try to hype them up when like nobody's talking about them. So when they are like big stars, a lot of them yeah. don't forget. You know, um, I think that uh, I think <laughs> I think that uh, fighters are a lot like comedians in which we're people that almost like refuse to grow up we're following our dreams we're not making a lot of money for a long time we're sacrificing the most uh, or a lot whether it be relationships money stability you know friendships so and we're putting a lot into it so i think there's a lot of similarities between comics and fighters and uh you know that i got nothing but respect for fighters and for any athlete, really. Um, but unlike, let's say, basketball players or, uh, you know, football players or whoever, fighters, unfortunately, don't have like the, you know, once you make the UFC or whoever, you don't get the $30 million signing bonus. Right. You, know, you, you don't get the, you don't, uh, fortunately for me, you don't, you, you also don't get the uh, people telling you like any interview has to go through me. You know, so I actually get access to a lot of people that I wouldn't necessarily get access to if, let's say, I was a just an NFL football fan, you know? Right. Yeah. But does that like, because uh, like I get like freaked out when celebrities are in the audience, you know, I do better when I don't know they're in the audience. How does that like work with you? I mean, sometimes, yeah, you never, I mean, <laughs> I mean there, there have been nights where I've had fighters come to my shows where I'm like, hey, you know, I've seen you have bad nights too. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> let's, uh, you know, so there, there, there's that. I think that if you're a, fr- a fan of mine or you're coming to my, my show, a lot of times people don't care if the, other, if the rest of the crowd's not laughing. You know, I care. There's definitely like that um, pressure sometimes for me that like, let's say the person came and saw me like two months ago. I don't want to do the same act that they saw two months ago, but now I'm going to do like a whole new act for this one person. When I know that like 99 people out of a hundred in the crowd didn't see the act, yeah. you know? So there's always that of like, a lot of times I throw in new bits for one person yeah. uh, who doesn't even care, uh, you know? And then, and then there's like, you know, <sighs> me going, you know, and also like a lot of them believe me, like, uh, you know, if I say I had a bad set or I suck, they'll believe me, you know, even if I, even if I did well. So there's always a little bit of pressure, you know, to, to do, to do better because, you know, the person, the fighters in the room or something, you know? Well, how is that? Like you've been doing it for 23 years. How much material would you say? I know you have an hour. Would you say you have at least two hours? Yeah, probably two and a half, three hours. Um, yeah. When I, when I used to do cruise ships, you had to do at least, you know, you had to do at least an hour and a half because you had to have two different dirty shows and then one different clean show. 
but then you'd work with a guy that was like, because you do five shows, so he'd be like, just so you know, I don't repeat a joke. And he'd be like, the, the cowboy. He always repeats it, yeah. No, 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 he never repeats <laughs> it. But but he's doing like songs or dance contests or something. And like, yeah, I would repeat jokes too if I had, you know, you know, a crowd member come on the crowd and tell a story with his, his arm underneath my, my armpit or whatever, like that improv thing that people did. But um yeah, but I used to do I used to do about four and a half shows. I would always have trouble at the very end, like that last show, because the same crowd keeps coming back. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and then they will, and then they'll tell you like, and then you're like, man, do I? I let's say I have like my five best jokes in the first show. Do I repeat those people who haven't seen it? And then people go, oh, I've seen this set before. And then you, so it's it was it was always hard. And so those were always tough you know to be honest but i but i would say i'd have about two and a half three hours of material yeah i have i would say i have an hour only because i have an hour special but i don't perform an hour all the time i usually get that 20 30 minute spot which i find i'm very happy being a feature act a lot of comics they're always like in a rush to be a headliner i'm like i'm just happy being the middle guy yeah i mean it happened until, until the money comes in <laughs> yeah. I was I was happy too until I would you know break even or lose money on the gig. Uh, so that's like you know you do the road and you're a feature. I mean sometimes I was getting three hundred dollars for the week, but I have to fly myself out there. You know, right. so it's like you're literally breaking even. Yeah, and then, but... and then you don't want to do too well because then the headliner gets upset or you did, like you've had headliners they say oh don't don't do crowd work or. They go, uh, you know, hey, man, uh, you know, just so you know, I, I talk about sex. You're like, huh? Like, you know. <laughs> Have you ever had a headliner tell you don't do well? I had them complain to the booker wow. that I was too, I was too dirty, or that, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. I had I never had them say don't do well, but I've I've had them. Uh, but I used to fuck with features. If I had like I this this guy, this black comic came in. And uh, I was like, hey, man, just so you know, I do a lot of black jokes. I go, don't do any black jokes. <laughs> and the guy looked at me about to, like, about to cry. I was like, I'm kidding, dude. I'm just like, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember Rick Martinez, but uh, I, yeah, I, I started, I did a lot of his shows. And I had, when I first started, I would say I had a good seven minutes, like killer. And then the rest was just terrible, you know? And he would always tell me not to do well. And I was just like, you know what, dude? I think you're a creep anyway. I'll still do well. You know what I mean? Like, Why would he say don't do well? Because, you know, Rick Martinez, he wasn't that – he was, like, hacky. Uh, dude, that dude, if he would have had, like, a reality show following his life, he'd be, like, the biggest comic in the world. I mean, his – like, on stage, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, think, I think he would focus way more on getting people to the room, to the show, right. than the show itself. But that dude was hilarious. Like he would literally go on Facebook and find people that lived in a town and be like, "Hey, remember me? I sat next to you in fourth grade." And then I had to, and go, "I have a comedy show," and people would show up. But he never even went to that school, or was even from that town. And and then he had like seven girlfriends, and they would all bring like twenty people at to the same show. Um, That's ballsy, dude. It was unbelievable. I like I like I kind of loved him for that. I, I I mean I would never do that, but I was like, man, this dude is like on a operating on a. What happened to him? He's still doing comedy. 
No, I haven't seen him in about six or seven years. Yeah. But he also did have a bad rep of, uh, you oh, know, man. other stuff, which I'm not saying oh, I personally oh, saw, yeah. but I heard, you know? Oh, no, he was uh... – he was crazy, but I, I like I love, but I kind of liked him. I, he was he one time he got so drunk that he like he like <laughs> got into a fight with the Irvine Improv or Brea, the manager, and then he wanted me to like call them up and yell at them. I'm like, dude, like what? Well, no. Like, and then if you and if you got paid, you had to like wait like an hour or two. And then he he had, like he'd be like beat me at the ATM like three blocks down. So then, and like he'd be wearing a different outfit, and like it was, he was so funny, man. Like he was, he was beyond funny. Was uh, funny. Do you do you do that when to like that stuff to your features when you take them on the road, like play little pranks on them like that? No, no, I I, I don't do that. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, no, I, I never did that. Uh, I heard a funny story though that like. This guy that was opening for Sinbad, he told me that he was opening for Sinbad and uh, he had to be totally clean. And then he had, his friend was a stripper who came to the show. Hmm. She dressed up as a nun. And then during the show, she kept flashing him her vagina, like like in the front row. And Sinbad was like, it was like a theater. And he was just like, like shocked, like, like six times she flashed. And then at the end... He went back to you. He goes, so you're never gonna guess what happened." There was a nun flat, and he and then he told him that was his friend, and he he laughed for like, he said he hired him like ten years later because he remembered him from the guys the guy who hired the nun. He had him right for his show. I I saw Sinbad live, and he was very clean. He did like an hour and a half of clean actually. And, yeah, uh, he's he's a, he's a very underrated comic. I I don't understand like. These people, it's like everybody just loves somebody. Like everyone just picks somebody to love. Uh, whether I can, whether it be like you know Coolio or like Sinbad or like MC Hammer or like Johnny from the back of the few, from the Karate Kid, you know William Zapka, and then the, and then everyone like just like forgets about the person. Like they're like okay, <laughs> but not even to the point where it's like they have like sort of a middle. Like they just forget it totally. Forget about them. Yeah. Uh, and then they like, but it's not like they weren't amazing, or they don't have like incredible like talent. I mean, MC Hammer, and I still support all these guys. I love going to the like MC Hammer or like these like throwback concerts. And I I would go see Sinbad if he was you know in the town where I'm at. Like I mean, wh- I mean, why wouldn't I do that? I, I just uh, I don't I don't really get it. How like everyone just everyone just loves the person and they just like move on. You know. Do you find you're at the point of uh, in your career where, like, when you go to comedy shows, you want to be performing instead of watching? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's hard for me to go actually support. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely... You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. 
www.stereo.com slash Keith Reza. And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith Reza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it. And we'll rift with you again soon.